0: Letters to Council is a civic discourse project funded through the Richard Parker Initiative and supported by the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. This project places the built environment at the centre of discussions with Calgary residents and provides an opportunity to discuss and reflect on their personal lived experience within the city, using the built environment as a literal and figurative backdrop. This series is recorded on the territory of the Nitsitapi Confederacy and the people of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta. This includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, the Tsutina, and the Stony Nakoda First Nations, which further include the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, and it is on this land that we gratefully and humbly live, work, and play. We further acknowledge the damage and ongoing legacy of harm that canada alberta and calgary's colonial history exerts on the original inhabitants of this land welcome everybody to the latest edition of letters to council my name is natalie and today i am lucky and excited to speak to a group of calgary parents So we're going to talk about uh, what their experience in the city is like as parents uh, hauling small people around, or maybe at least just walking with them. So to get things started, we're going to get everybody to introduce
1: themselves. Jen? Sure. Thanks, Natalie. Hi, my name's Jen. Um, I have four kids in my family. I have a two-year-old son. And then I have three stepkids who are uh, six, 10, and 12, just about to be 13. So we have a big family and we live in Brayside, which is in the Southwest, um, just kind of south of the Glenmore Reservoir. And uh, we love it. We've been here a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I'll leave
0: it at that, thanks. Nathan.
2: Um, I'm, I'm Nathan. I have three kids. They're 10, seven, and almost two. I live in Renfrew. In the northeast, although maybe we should say barely in the northeast. Um, okay. It's a pretty great place.
0: And Nitin?
2: Yeah, hi everyone. This is Nitin
3: and uh, I have a seven years old uh, daughter. I live in Evanston for the last uh, four years. Um, yeah. And Ritu? Yeah. yeah, hi
4: everyone. I'm Ritu. And I also live in Evanston. Nitin and me, uh, we are husband-wife, and we have a seven-year-old daughter.
0: Okay. And Sangeeta.
4: Hi, um, this is Sangeeta. We live
5: in Panorama Hills, and I have uh, three children, age seven, five, seven, four, and just under a year. (laughs) Sorry it's still a newborn stage for me.
0: <laughs> okay, so you were all given two questions before this uh, chat to mull over. Jen, do you want to start and lead us through what you think Calgary's biggest issue is now for you?
1: Sure, thanks. It's, um. I mean, it is a complex question. I think in many ways, Calgary is an incredible city, and we love being here. We love raising our family, and I think Calgary's at a bit of a turning point, which I know kind of more answers your your second question, Natalie, but I think we're at a a point where we really have to be visionary and see into our future and think about what infrastructure we can build now. Um, Living in the Southwest, we're right by a BRT, which is great, we're right by a sea train station, but we really find like interconnectivity really challenging. I'm really into uh, trying to be into active transportation. I'm on my bike right now, as you can probably tell, a bit out of breath. Um, And, you know, we try to do that as a family as much as we can. But we find, you know, in this area, there's sidewalks that end out of nowhere. There's paths that go nowhere. We're in between two beautiful parks that uh, are really hard to access on your bike or walking. So, um, you know, things like that, I find frustrating because I can see so much potential um, to really, you know, build infrastructure in this area that's not expensive, not hard to build, but just needs a bit of sort of thinking about people who aren't in their cars, I think. Uh, So that's what I would say the the big challenge for our neighborhood is right now.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. And Nathan?
2: Um, I, I guess I would say that the issue that concerns me is affordability, both housing affordability, and the affordability of of our long-term infrastructure costs. That question of whether we'll be able to maintain all of the stuff that we have built as it ages and as as it may or may not serve the people who live here.
0: Okay, so that's a pretty big topic which we'll probably have to revisit in a couple minutes. Okay, Nitin and Ritu, do you guys wanna answer together or separately?
3: Yeah, together, because uh, uh, we actually uh, live in Calgary for like about 13, 14 years now. And Calgary is a beautiful city, awesome people, lots of great friends we have here. And uh, as far as uh, the issues are concerned, the only issue we have faced is the snow cleaning in the streets in the winters. And uh, that is something, you know, which... I have seen even, I got stuck many times and many of the friends and people I know in the neighborhood, they got stuck and accidents do happen. So if, you know, for me, if city can uh, spare some funding towards uh, the snow cleaning in the winters in the streets, that will be a really good thing. Like in Toronto and in Montreal and like, like those cities.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a really good point. You, not a lot of people are thinking about the winter right now <laughs> in June, okay
3: yeah, and like, summers have no issues right? like <laughs> summers Rit- are always good
0: and ritu, ritu did you would you agree with uh, your partner or yeah. would yeah
4: yes, who thought of this uh, issue and we put it yeah,
0: okay, and Sangita, how about you i um so
5: We've been in Calgary since 1999, and um, since then, I've spent nine years living in Vancouver and the greater Vancouver area. So for me, (laughs) coming from that back a couple of years ago, back to Calgary, having a big family, um, you know, having a lot of friends here, the biggest issue for me was um, something what Jen mentioned is interconnectivity as one thing, but accessibility is a a huge problem for me because... um, I'd like to take a lot of walks outside, but I feel like accessibility, not by by car, it is convenient, but with any other mode of transportation, it is inconvenient. Whether it be bike, scooter, (laughs) for that matter, anything um, other than a vehicle is very inconvenient. I feel like uh, just the infrastructure is not designed considering the weather in mind. And this is not just now. Like I said, I've been here since 1999. And when I came back to Calgary two years ago, I really thought, aside from roads getting bigger and um, the city sprawling out, there was not much done to address the winter and you know accessibility in the winter. Why is it taking hours for somebody to come from the south to the north? You know, two hours, two and a half hours. Uh, why are the buses that are within uh, communities taking so long? Why is there just one bus serving a community? You know, um, so of course there's like talk of green <coughs> back but um just this this issue is not going to go anywhere for the next like years and the winter issue so why is accessibility such a problem even till today and 20 years ago it was the same issue I feel like nothing has changed in that regard Uh, the buses look the same (laughs) the you know the green line is nowhere to be seen, even in the next 10 years, I don't see it happening. So at the speed at which now that I'm used to seeing things living in Vancouver for nine years, I feel like the speed is just so slow and the decision-making process is so slow um, at the council level and, and what have you. So yeah, that's my issue.
0: <laughs> so uh, Nitin and Ritu, my, I'm curious, uh, cause you brought up the snow yeah. clearing. Um, do you try to use other modes of transportation?
3: No, we actually do not use uh, other modes. Uh, there is uh, There are two reasons. One, we do not have a train station nearby, which actually is, you know, happening slowly in the city. City is not, you know, connected with the uh, rail line everywhere. And second is uh, uh, the bus routes are not that, you know, uh, quick. They are very long routes if you are mm-hmm. going to downtown. Or somewhere, so we always uh, use our own vehicle, and uh, especially in winters, you know, uh, this trouble is the only thing which we have faced in the last so many years in this city. So, yeah,
0: and you mentioned also Toronto and Montreal, and I believe Toronto and Montreal both clear their sidewalks. Is that, yeah,
3: I can, yeah, I can endorse that because I have uh, a business in Toronto and I travel there quite often and over there uh, it's really you know comfortable whatever amount of snow you know it it is there next day it is all clear and you don't have any problems while you know taking your car even out from your driveway I mean I can tell you that I myself was stuck while taking my car out of the driveway last winters when it uh, snowed like 30 centimeters something and neighbor had to help so I mean, you know, these things are very common here. It happens, uh, and especially depends where you are in the city. Uh, that also makes difference. Yeah.
0: And and so Nathan, the uh, the point you raised at the beginning about affordability, um, housing aside, but the affordability of Calgary's infrastructure. Do you want to elaborate on that point? Because it seems like Sangita. Um, and Jen, who said that all the fixes are probably quite easy and quick, but they don't happen. So do you wanna maybe elaborate on your affordability point?
2: Um, yeah, I, so I'm a nerd and every couple of years or three or four years, uh, the city puts together an infrastructure status report. And I sat down and looked at the one from 2017. They, I think they've only released half of uh, the 2020 version in the last couple of weeks. And we have, basically it works out to um, about $85 billion in um, infrastructure throughout the city. And if you look at the amount of assessed value of properties, about $300 billion in private investment. And that works out to about 3.6 to one kind of a ratio between that private investment and public investment. If you were to spread it out evenly, It it should cost. We should be devoting about three billion dollars a year to um, infrastructure maintenance and replacement costs, or just replacement costs. And I think our budget is about four and a half billion dollars. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think that connects back to housing affordability because if we allowed people to live in I don't know duplexes, at least around the city, then then we would become more productive. We in in terms of value per area. And then we would be able to afford to maintain the infrastructure we have and provide better services. Because I mean, my street gets plowed because I live on a bus route. I wish more streets could get plowed. And, and I know people don't want to raise taxes to do that. So what are the other solutions? I don't know, stop banning duplexes.
0: Right. So and so from a parenting perspective, because I know Jen actually specifically said she tries to get around without driving. Um, And as a parent, um, a lack of interconnectivity. And then as Nathan said, a lack of just investment and maintenance of stuff that we already have, or making it better, at least investing in stuff we already have. Um, As a parent, how does this affect you? Like, how does this affect your daily life? It's a big question, Jen. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) That's okay. It is a big question. And, you know, it's something I'm I'm still learning as a a fairly new parent, but, um, you know, of course it affects your life in a huge way. I think, you know, our our built environment is what shapes what we do every day and how we make our decisions. And, um, you know, I end up driving a lot more than I would like to, because, you know, when I think ahead Mm -hmm. about, okay, if I want to go for a bike ride, like, you know, we don't have a bike trailer, so I have, have to leave my youngest at home, and there's kind of all these, uh, these situations you have to take into account, and, um, you know, even like, just to give an example, there's a, a crosswalk by our house that's right by a daycare, and we've been trying to get flashing lights there forever, because there's a bunch of kids running around, and a lot of cars there, and, uh, you know, we've been told over and over again, um, it's just there's no budget for it. There's no budget for flashing lights. And then, you know, to Nathan's point, there's all these other big sexy infrastructure projects being built mostly in the city center that are billions and billions of dollars. But you know, we can't find a few thousand dollars for flashing lights. And so, you know, of course that affects our everyday because I avoid that intersection. And if I avoid that intersection, I avoid going to the park by it. And I end up mostly just you know driving to South Glenmore Park because it's it's safe and it's quick. And you know, that's often your priorities when you're a parent.
0: Right. So it directly affects you. Like every decision you make is based on what can I do with the resources available to me? Yeah, exactly. Right. And Sangeeta, would you agree? Yeah.
5: Well, I, it just takes me back in time. One of my worst memories of living in Calgary, which is why we went to Vancouver at the moment I got an opportunity, is, is having to wait at bus stops and walking 10 to 15 minutes at that time in We couldn't afford to live in the inner city you know if we had the choice to buy a duplex or something like that closer to downtown we would have lived there and had a much better time being uh, new immigrants to calgary um we decided to you know go to panorama and 20 years ago it was such a new community uh sorry we lived in coventry hills at the time and the bus stop was 15 minutes walk uh from my house and um You know, I spent 13 years going to school, going to high school, which is James Fowler, and then um, just closer to downtown when I had to start, you know, working early on. And I left the city really bitter thinking as a student um, and as kids, uh, I think one of the major issues is that, you know, we just don't want to wait for buses and we just hate the outdoor life uh, when it's to and from school that is not close to you and you don't have you know, the luxury of someone driving you to school, you know, and at the time I didn't. So I left really bitter and, um, you know, then when I came back here and now I'm a working woman, I have kids of my own, I drive everywhere. I actually found it relatively easier because I drive everywhere. I don't have those issues that I had as a student. And I worry about my kids for that reason. I'm thinking, okay, I don't let's say if I take them out of my school that's within the community and I want to put them somewhere else, in a different private school, public school, whatever in downtown, I worry that I'm gonna to have to drive them there for them to have a comfortable uh, commute, you know? And they're not gonna be so bitter about waiting or getting frostbit on having all these issues that I had. Yes, it makes you stronger. That's what everyone says, but it's just not necessary, you know? considering Calgary weather is never going to change. I feel like I was really disappointed that all this money was, you know, when I came back, I saw all these new buildings come up in Calgary two years ago. I was like, what, there's a new library. There's that, um, that I can the name escapes me. There's a really nice tall building in Calgary. now. I was like, and those are all pretty much empty and there's no money being put towards um, heated shelters, wind shelters you know, on the bus route path so that if kids are walking, you know, they get really cold, they can go in and warm up, you know, like, there's no uh, innovation when it comes to building infrastructure uh, for today's times. It's still such a, it's it's such a, like, it's vernacular That's the word I want to use I feel like when I came back, I was like, oh my God, this is like 20 years ago. I was still in the same community with the same bus and nothing has changed. And whereas all these other cities like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver, what have you, they're just moving forward with the times with, and and it it comes back to that point of densification. The more people that live closer, there's going to be more money available to put into that. It's almost going to become necessary to provide for that infrastructure, but the sprawl is an issue. I just wish that at some point they would say, okay, no more going further out for Calgary, let's build up instead of building out. I just pointed out so many other issues, but it all comes down to, um, you know, how difficult I think my kid's life is going to be if I'm just not available to drive them everywhere. And I want to say, yes, go ahead and walk and have that comfort and say, okay, if you, you know, end up having to wait for an hour for the bus, uh, which shouldn't have to be the case, but if it is, then you have shelters available that you can kind of stand in and warm up, you know, or uh, every few meters or so, or every mile or so, whatever you however they want to build it. There's just no thought put into how people commute. That's why um, even with having so many people in Calgary, even in the summer, I barely see people out. These shelters would help in the peak sunshine in summer, in July and August. It's so hot. People don't want to go out because it's too hot. And in the winter, they don't want to go out because it's too cold. So, and same with kids. I just feel like there's just no innovation when it comes to building infrastructure in Calgary. And and I, I, I don't think I would have thought of this if I had not gone to another city and lived there for so long.
0: So, right. That's, so it's uh, Sangeeta, you and uh, Nitin and Ritu all live up, uh, way up <laughs> in the Northwest. Yes. Um, so I, I feel like you have a lot of this sort of, uh, the same sort of perspective on um, bus timing and things like that. Um, before I ask, Nitin and Ritu or maybe Ritu specifically because Nitin you work from home and Ritu you mentioned that you are unemployed right now is that right yeah right so you are
4: primarily last year I actually did yoga teacher training okay uh, yeah oh yeah sound, sound hearing certification
0: oh cool that's cool but it's you are sort of the prime caregiver correct
4: yeah yeah. Yes.
0: And do you, as somebody who lives way up north, um, and sort of, I'm assuming you have the same sort of issues as Sangita does, um, because your kids are actually about the same age. Your daughter is seven, and Sangita's eldest is seven, so school age. And yeah. so the whole walking to school thing, or walking in the cold, or the frequency of the bus. I'm assuming you drive your daughter around.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I drive. Yeah.
0: And would you prefer not to like, would you prefer to walk or would you, is there anything to walk to in Evanston? No. The,
4: school, the is not. school is not actually very near, so I have to drive. Right.
0: So, so I guess coming to the second question then, like, what do you think the opportunities for Calgary are? Like, what would you like uh, to see different for your seven-year-old? Yeah.
3: Uh, seven years old opportunities Uh, I think personally you know in my opinion I actually Ritu will also agree to that Uh, in the schools you know the extracurricular activities are there uh, but they are not you know adding uh, new things or you know new technologies that quite often they are kind of I would say if you compare it with U.S. or you know kids in U.S. and kids in here in same uh, grades, uh, there is still a difference which you see when it comes to the you know uh, extra curricular activities, hobbies, or you know any uh, knowledge these kids can get. Like for example, I would say coding or you know this kids yoga or you know I mean anything which can bring you know positivity and uh, you know kids can learn to be uh, uh, civilized better more you know good citizen of this country uh, helpful to each other you know I mean these kind of like leadership or even uh, working in a team kind of uh, things these kind of things I think should be more uh, promoted in uh, in 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 the schools for the kids that's all I think I I would say yeah
0: and you would agree, Ritu? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. well, because curriculum is is more of a per, uh, provincial thing. Um, but do you think that where you live and the neighborhood that you live in, the fact that you have to drive uh, your seven-year-old everywhere, so the, the I guess... Learning independence, maybe, is not something that will come to her because of the neighborhood and the lack of resources that are available. Right? Or if she wanted to take a class after school and you weren't around to drive her, then she couldn't find her own way home.
3: Yeah, that's right. Because of the transportation, as uh, you know, uh, mentioned by Sangeetaji as well, that transportation uh, is not that convenient. So of course, yeah, that, that is the problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Nathan, you are sort of, you're in Renfrew, so you're a bit more inner city. Um, what, what sort of um, opportunities do you see for Calgary in general, or even as a parent?
2: Okay. So I guess as the parent, I mean, I'm, I'm the stay at home dad and our, our boys have a pretty easy walk to school that they take almost every day. And, um, it's, pretty convenient for most things, easy drives, easy bikes, Um, I can avoid busy streets, but the house prices aren't cheap. And um, one of the reasons for that is that we've, I I could go on for a long time, but um, making houses a good investment has also made it difficult to make them afford, broadly affordable. And so we have that tension between those two things. And I guess The opportunity is, if the problem is that we've made an expensive city because we've so many things we have been choices, we can, the opportunity is to choose something different. I mean, it's not written in stone uh, that you can't build a duplex or a triplex in most of the city, except in, it's been a choice that city council has made and they can change that if enough people say, maybe you should change that. So that's what I I look at it and say, we can change our minds. And I hope that when my kids are looking at where they're living and, and, and what kinds of choices they can make at, in 10 or 20 years, I hope they'll have more choices than those of us sitting around the table here feel like we have.
0: And did you, if I may, did you live in your house or your current home before you had kids?
2: Um, A a few weeks after uh, we got married, um, my wife's grandfather passed away, and so we inherited enough that we could buy a little townhouse that was in Renfrew um, in our mid-20s, and then a few years later, when uh, basically almost every time that a child has come along, we've ended up moving to another house from... And, and we've been able to stay in the neighborhood because it's had a variety of housing options. So we went from a two bedroom townhouse to a three bedroom detached house on a 25 foot lot to a four bedroom house with on a 50 foot lot so that we can build a backyard suite so her parents can live close, but perhaps not too close. Um, and and I, I just look at the, the number of ways that we make it difficult to do little things like that that could help with affordability.
0: Right, and Sangeeta, did you uh, move to your neighborhood with kids in tow, or did you have kids when you, after you lived there?
5: Um, I had all my kids in in Vancouver when we lived there, and then we came here two years ago with all our kids, and then I had a newborn here after that. Um, I just wanted to mention, uh, just to uh, Nathan's point, it just reminded me that they, because I'm living in an area like similar to Evanston, where all of these newer communities are coming up. And so they're putting some thought into uh, having smaller lots and having you know more housing options. But I honestly feel like it's too late and they're not even making a dent. And where they are making a dent is probably not the right place to make a dent because they're doing all these zero lot lines, which is honestly- yeah. It's, 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 it's not doing anything for the new homeowners. I, I personally think also having a building science background that it's super dangerous to be, you, you would rather have a proper party wall between two houses than have a house like two feet away from your house. You know, um, big safety, huge safety concerns for me. But I don't see the point of doing that in these newer neighborhoods where people are now want, they can't live in the inner city because they don't have the money to do. So they want to spend money to build new houses but you're taking away their lot sizes um, with that. But then all of this housing in between far north and then inner city, what are you doing with those? Those are still like, there's so many communities with so much yard size and such small houses. What are you doing with those? Why are you uh, torturing these people who wanna build brand new houses with you know shrinking everything for them? with really poor quality material first of all everything is built with like no quality at all and then i wanted to buy a new house too and we decided no we're not going to buy a new house because when you move into a new community uh like evanston for example there's only one school kenneth it has four years i don't know how many years of a waiting list and it has a certain radius your kids can't even be on the list if you're not within that radius and so one school serving such a large community there's with getting new houses, there's so many inconvenience that, that comes along with it, but people don't have a choice. If they could buy that kind of home in the inner city and just stay closer to the core, it would make so much more sense. Or you come up with another downtown. I don't know why people don't come think creatively. Why is it that we have a single central downtown? Why aren't there pockets of this kind of downtownish areas within each quadrant of the city? Maybe that's something that's a little bit more, you know, out, out there, but for city, the size of Calgary and the way it's expanding, they keep annexing the land outside. I work in Rocky View County as a development officer. So now I've seen like everything and it keep taking Rocky View County away bit by bit. And, and Rocky View County is kind of pushing back and saying, no, we're just going to build them all here. And this is our part of the city. (laughs) Um, For me, that's, that's, you know, that's, just reminded me of all these zero lot lines, and I see like there is no point to them because 20 years later they'll talk about these zero light line houses, saying, "Oh my God, what a bad decision that was!" Because we could have put that money or that thought process somewhere in the inner city side where we could, you know, split, do more subdivisions or something like that. I'm not sure, but council definitely has to take, a, you know, just a new approach to things because I've seen the city 20 years ago and now and where there should be development. I mean, Stony Trail is, of course, one of the things they've been planning for years and they made it happen, and I'm so proud of that. But that can't just be it. Road accessibility can't just be it. you got to put money where it needs to go. Um, and a lot of the money and budget that he's talking about, Nathan, is just going towards maintenance. A lot of it is just going to you make more roads, there's going to be more maintenance. Whereas, you know, you just don't expand as far out You just stay in and get your people to stay in the city, provide more housing options that are affordable and find government incentives for those people. You know, it's the government providing five year maintenance plans for you. So you don't have to put the money down to maintain your house or 10 year rather your roof or your house and so on with those things. Now that we own a home here and we own a home in Vancouver, we see the difference. Yes, it's more the cost of living is less, but the amount of money we put to maintain the home is insane. You know, so.
0: Cool. That's, uh, you, you've covered a lot there, Sangita. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm
5: just, I can go on a tangent. I have so much to say.
0: <laughs> and uh, Jen, I'm curious because apart from Nathan, who lives in Renfrew, which is quite an old neighborhood, Brayside's like, what is that? 1960s, 1950s?
1: Yeah, it is Uh yeah, exactly. Kind of late sixties. Our house is nineteen seventy, and it's uh, it's really interesting to hear Sangita speak about you know the lots and these new neighborhoods because we uh you know we in some ways have uh, different challenges in more established neighborhoods, and we have you know these houses that have been here a long time and a lot of infrastructure that's aging. And um, you know, when you asked Sir sort of, Natalie for us to think what opportunities, like I think about. Um, you know, the neighborhood as like an organizing unit, and how that's something I feel like is getting lost with um, the way we build infrastructure, which I think a lot of the previous speakers were kind of alluding to. And um, in Brayside, we have, you know, beautiful houses, we have a school, we have a community association, we have lots of these little pathways, little like catwalks through our neighborhood. And so there's really neat stuff here, but it's aging, and no one is maintaining it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you when you sort of approach a neighborhood that way, you don't get people moving into it you don't get people wanting to send their kids to school there and then it's sort of a self-defeating cycle I think that's uh, that's such a lost opportunity because I think when you invest in things like that and you make people proud of their neighborhood and you make it somewhere people want to be then they sort of self-organize and they help take care of it themselves and yes. um, you know we're, we're organizing a, a little community cleanup in a few weeks in June and everyone is so excited about it you know people like to take ownership of their community and help But there has to be some leadership showing some investment in the area. And uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I see for opportunity in our neighborhood for sure. And and sorry, did you live there before kids? No. Yeah, we moved here when uh, he was in my belly.
0: (laughs) Okay, and so did you pick that neighborhood specifically because it was more kid friendly?
1: Yeah, we did. We, um, you know, like a lot of families were kind of priced out of living in the the central downtown area, but it didn't want to move too far away. We had a lot of our friends and our family were in more central neighborhoods. So Brayside was kind of a happy medium in between there. Like we live right by a school, which we loved and there's quite a few playgrounds. So yeah, for sure.
0: And uh, Ritu, did you, uh, did you pick uh, your neighborhood before you had your seven-year-old?
4: No, after. Yeah, after. she was uh, last years then we moved here. And we earlier twice did- on.
0: And did you pick it because you thought uh it would be a good place to raise a child or was that sort of just not even on your radar because she was so little?
4: Yeah, it was uh because uh new school, uh you know, good uh northwest schools we heard that good schooling is here, so that's why we chose this area
0: right um but you mentioned that she your school the school isn't actually that close
4: yeah not that close but uh you know um not that far also it's i think hardly three kilometers yeah
0: three kilometers so how long does that take to drive like five minutes or
4: uh seven minutes yeah
0: seven seven minutes it's not a bad within the community (laughs) (laughs) and sangeeta just out of curiosity you said that you went to James Fowler High School. and you lived in Coventry growing up. Right. How long was that commute for you? Um,
5: I think at that time it was about forty five minutes because it was a fifteen minute walk to the bus stop. Right. And if I missed the bus, I would wait for an hour for the next bus to come in minus thirty. Yeah, about a half an hour bus ride at that time. Uh, I mean, I worked uh, studied at state too, and as a student, Um, again just the wait times it was a killer they've talked I mean I was surprised to hear that some of the areas in Calgary have heated bus stops um, but might be in the inner city I was just wondering why in 20 years they didn't come up with a plan to have that at every single bus stop I would have been a little bit surprised if they had done that in a 20-year timeline yeah
0: Um,
5: because it's crucial for the kids to have that you know I just hate hearing stories about kids getting frostbitten I mean they can all become really resilient but it's just it's not a place you want the kids to be yes you want them to walk to school and stuff or wait for the bus it's fine but not at the expense of their health and (laughs) well-being right Nathan
2: um yeah I think the bus uh stops along BRT lines have Mm -hmm. some that are heated but I mean at least in the north the fact that the north BRT runs generally along 16th avenue which isn't that far north. I mean, I grew up in Huntington no. Hills. It's not that far north. No. <laughs> and so that, that says interesting things about where we, how we try to put the city together and yeah. and who we end up serving.
0: What I'm observing is that we have old neighborhoods that are awesome to raise kids in that young families can't afford. And the new neighborhoods where young families want to move to actually are not necessarily that kid-friendly. And this has been going on for decades. So this is the, the theme of the conversation. And so, um, I don't know, like, is this, are we, are we doomed? Nitin and Ritu, do you think we are doomed?
3: Uh, I think, you know, personally that, especially these new uh, construction, whether in Northeast Cornerstone area, or you know uh, northwest anywhere you go uh, right now what is happening is developers and builders they are focusing on uh, building more and more houses instead of uh, giving enough space to each house it's more commercial uh, motive at this time and earlier like in the past uh, if i tell you we were previously living in whitehorn area there you know we had bigger yard than the house construction which you know yes. uh, was mentioned so i mean and there, uh, it was like, you know, you have uh, space on the both sides of the houses and uh, bigger yard. Uh, so I would personally think that it's the city. City needs to put some, you know, bylaws uh, in such a way that zero lot lines should not be allowed. They are definitely very risky. I mean, especially when we hear these house fires, uh, like mm-hmm. I, I know, yeah. a recent one happened, three, four houses. Mm-hmm. In the row, you know, happened in northeast due to, I think, uh, barbecue. barbecue um, yeah, that gas cylinder. Yeah, cylinder actually it it got burst. So, uh, I, yeah, I, that's all. I think that city needs to, you know, put some more, uh, you know, measures uh, while giving permits to the developers or the builders to make the houses, and it is required. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Add one more thing which as uh just you know with my network from ontario uh people have started buying investment properties in calgary and this i know because some of uh, my network people they have bought townhomes in calgary which is worth which is like more than double price in toronto so they they are buying here and not moving here yet they are buying just for investment or some of them will eventually move here because uh, many people in Vancouver and Toronto, those who are new are coming, uh, uh, will be coming in future as well, will be hard for them to buy houses. They are uh, uh, very expensive in those areas. But here it's still affordable and even realtors from uh, Alberta and realtors in Ontario, they are also doing marketing uh, for uh, condos and townhomes in Alberta. That is also I have seen recently just to
0: that's, that's actually very interesting when we think about the whole affordability thing that Nathan brought up, like buying homes on spec. And, uh, the statistic I heard from a city of Calgary employee was that 75% of the people in Calgary can't actually afford to buy their own home, which is shocking, uh, just from Cal- and Calgary is considered sort of affordable, right? Right. Um, whereas, depends. wasn't it just recently in Toronto, the average house price, didn't it come out to be like a million dollars or something insane yes. like that? So yes. on one hand, I'm not surprised, but on the other hand, that doesn't help Calgary stay affordable to, to young families, right? Who then are forced to buy a vehicle for every adult, it seems, right? Who live If you live in Evanston or you live in Panorama or... Terradale, I don't know why I always use Terradale as an example, but mm-hmm. <laughs> if you live out in the outskirts and there's no transit, there's no bike paths, you're so now you're 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 in debt even more because of your vehicle. So I don't know like is does everybody sort of agree that the opportunities for Calgary are more so centered on I don't know, maybe looking inward instead of like, I know do you mentioned sprawl, but like mm-hmm. just looking inward and, yes, exactly. and fixing what we've got.
5: Fixing what we've got. Um, for me, I worry, um, my parents' house is already 20 years old. I, I mean, I wonder with all these houses that are in Terradale, Whitehorn and Brentwood, Brentwood areas, like what do they do after the house is 50, 60 odd years old? Like you to just demolish and rebuild. And if they rebuild, what are they thinking in terms of density? You know, um, those are pretty some of the really posh neighborhoods. There are certain bylaws that restrict densification in a in a way. You know, the only things that you can build in certain communities are single family homes. So, how do you how do you work around that? How do you provide? I feel like there should be incentives for people to move closer to the inner city because, let's say, they come up with a new I don't know transit plan or something like that, that will, you know, help these families, but the government needs to provide some incentive whether it's monetary or what have you. You know, years ago, when I was living in Vancouver, I heard they came and changed light bulbs of every single house in the city to LED. And I was thinking, well, why don't you fix the roofs of some of these houses, you know, like that are leaking, God, you know, they can't afford to do that. People can't afford to buy light bulbs. They just can't afford to do those bigger things. Uh, especially in the older communities, so things things are getting older, just getting older, just because you don't have the time, money. Sometimes you just um, you get older and you don't want to do it. <laughs> you leave it to your kids, kids, or the next owner. But there is a lot of opportunity. They need to look inward. Uh, cities boom when uh, when money is put in the right place. And unfortunately, where the money is going is to new communities, new developers who are you know selling these new amazing houses, but offering really poor quality, um, you know, there's, there's no uh, appeal also in, in terms of housing itself. There's only some exclusive communities that look really nice. But if you look at some of the newer communities, if you just drive by the street, there's no appeal. The houses, uh, t- 20 years later, they'll probably be laughing at the design of some of these homes. So it's like some of the 80s houses that we used to say, oh my God, these houses are horrible. There's just no thought put into it. It's just, it's, it's instant gratification. They're just trying to look to sell to these developers, build these large communities, and then just leave it to the owners and, and to the community members to handle everything else. You know? And one thing I want to say is I'm really disappointed with, from what I've heard from my friends also, is some of the community associations that are uh, supposed to um, you know, help the community sort of survive in a way. Um, I don't think they're doing their part or they're not getting enough money to do their part. They're relying a lot on homeowners to put the money down. I feel like there needs to be a little different thought put into that. All in all, I feel like the change is slow in Calgary. Like I'm just looking at it from 1999 until now. And I feel like, yes, roads are expanding, but there's so much that is still stagnant the way it it was 20 years ago, unfortunately. So.
0: Uh, Jen I wanted to ask you about densification in Brayside sort of relating to what Sangita was talking about um is there do you see a lot of sort of tearing down or is it close enough to the inner city to get that
1: yeah it's a good question there's not a lot right now um you know Brayside is actually a pretty dense neighborhood and I think that's a bit of an interesting myth we have about downtown being dense and the suburbs are all spread out um Brayside has two uh Condo complexes, like a, a big seniors townhome <laughs> complex. So, um, yeah, like I think we we are actually pretty dense, so we're not in danger of a whole lot of tearing down. But, um, you know, we did see concerns about. Uh, I am on my community association board, and uh, we heard concerns with the guidebook, which I'm sure, or you know, it goes by a different name now, I think. But I'm sure we're all familiar with that interesting drama. And, um, you know, I heard that from people. They're concerned about densification, and I think they just. Maybe don't understand um, what that is, and they don't understand that we actually do have a pretty dense neighborhood, and that's part of why our neighborhood is so rich, and mm-hmm. why we have such a great community here. But um, I think that means different things to different people, and I think that has to do with a bit of um, a bit of lack of education and leadership from our uh, our elected officials in our city. I think.
0: Okay, this is this has been awesome. I have one last question for everybody: um, Have you met your neighbors? who also have children? Like, do the kids play out on the streets? Is there any sort of community happening? Ritu and Nitin, can you tell me if your seven-year-old plays outside on the streets with the kids down the road?
4: Uh, not, not much. right now because yeah. of COVID, but yeah. yes. Uh, the earlier, uh, kids used to play outside. Yeah. They used, she used to meet her with her friends and play.
3: Also, you know, it depends like, for example, our, houses in a circle so less traffic okay. and the kids yeah so and also backing to uh backing is not to another house it's also a lane uh, which is a paved lane so kids generally play both uh, in the front and back side and uh, summers all summers yeah
0: okay that's yeah. actually good to hear <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah
0: okay yeah. and how about uh sangeeta Oh
5: yes, um, you have wonderful neighbors. We live in a cul-de-sac as well, and it it just certainly has its benefits in warmer months. In the winter, it's a whole different story. I feel like it's you can't even take a stroller out of the cul-de-sac to get to the public sidewalk. So I haven't been able to take my newborn out for walks because I can't get from my garage to the main road uh, because of a lack of sidewalks that are clean. So hmm. some of our neighbors have been kind to the cul-de-sac for us because uh obviously city checks don't come in there and do it so right uh, kids are kids are having a blast with other children
1: okay cool <laughs> how about you jen um yeah we've we've mostly been in this house during a pandemic so it's we don't have really have a baseline to answer that question but um we do know our neighbors they're both lovely they don't have kids but we um you know we talk over the fence and we do wave at kids across the street so i'm, I'm hopeful i mean it does It does frustrate me a bit the way the infrastructure is set up. You don't, you know, the driveways are all or the the cars all go through the garages and the alleys. You don't necessarily see each other in the front lawns and we have to make a bit more of an effort. But um, I am really hopeful, I think, um, you know, whenever we're back to normal, I think there will be potential for that. And um, that's part of why we live here. So fingers crossed.
0: Okay, cool. And how about you, Nathan, Do your kids play outside on the street,
2: Um, literally on the street. Not, not as much as if we were in cul-de-sacs, but yeah, they have classmates who are, live in the neighborhood, and there are four schools with playgrounds and three more n- playgrounds in the neighborhood. So yeah, it's, there are lots of places for kids to play, and they love it, and it becomes more of a debate about where which playground to enjoy.
0: Okay, that's, that's good to hear. I'm actually a little surprised, actually, that I guess cul-de-sacs do help, um, and you're right if you don't live in a cul-de-sac, it's literally a highway with some of the ways (laughs) drivers behave in the city. Okay. Well, I thank everybody for their candor and their affability this afternoon. I know this has been kind of it's been pretty quick. It's a big topic. And as parents, even finding an hour on a Sunday afternoon is kind of a big deal at supper time. So I'd just like to thank everybody absolutely and sincerely for helping me out with this. Thank you for listening. The place names mentioned in this discussion have been located on the online map at cc.nextcalgary.ca. If you have something you'd like to add to this conversation, please visit the website and contribute using comments or dropping a pin on the map. If you'd like to participate in a Letters to Council discussion group, please fill out the registration form using the link on the Next Calgary website. As a non partisan initiative, candidates or elected officials from any level of government nor their representatives are permitted to participate.